Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have an amazing conversation, getting to know a man called Martin Teaster, which is exactly what I've done over the last few months. One of the, arguably, the most genuine uh, individuals that I have ever met. I hope you get a lot of value from uh, mine and Martin's conversation. And if you haven't yet subscribed, rated, reviewed the podcast, then please, please do, because it helps me bring amazing guests like Martin closer to us all. Have an amazing rest of your week, and I look forward to chatting next. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have the immense pleasure of chatting with fellow podcaster, Martin Teasdale. How are you, Martin? I'm good, thanks, Lee. Thanks very much for having me on. This is great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I am well excited for this. So I, I'm, I was conscious, actually. So a few weeks ago, I introduced um, a podcast with a guy called Chester Elton, and I introduced him as the, the nicest man um, I've ever met. Um, but then I got a little bit of stick because apparently I've, start, I've said this to, to a few different fellas um, that they are the nicest men. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, but I, because I say the nicest, it's kind of like saying there's a, there's a single place at the top. So um, I would put you in this category as well. As oh, one of, thank you. But now I'm going to have to say, I can't say the nicest man. I, I need to say you are one of the nicest men, but it, it, it's not worse than what I'm saying to everybody else. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm taking nothing but good from that, my friend. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good because I, I don't want to offend anybody. Um, so, yeah, so Martin, um, thank you so much for this. I guess first questions first is how did you get to sit in that seat today? Yeah, I love it. It's a great question. Very expensive. Um, I... I think I'm, I've always think like I'm a, not a late bloomer. I think guys mature later than um, ladies, don't they? Um, so I, when I, I went to uni, um, I want to go back even further, actually, to, it does determine a little bit about who I am. Um, my family have always been like in the military, in the, in the RAF. So my dad joined the RAF when he was 16 um, and then met my mum, in, in an airbase in Germany, and she was the daughter so of a guy. My granddad was in the RAF. He was actually the manager of the football team. My dad was the captain, and my mum came along to watch, and then they started they started wow. dating. Very quickly, I came along, um, and then we just moved around. So for those of you that uh, know anything about being in the military, you're constantly moving. You just get settled. So I think one of the things that um, the reason it's quite nice I've ended up in this or I've always been in this contact centre, people-based industry is because you have to make, you go, I went to like seven different schools. You have to make friends quick. Um, don't get me wrong. There were times when you just got settled. You've got a really tight friendship group. And I can remember one childhood memory, my dad sort of driving up and coming in looking a bit sad because I think he liked the air, the airbase he was on at the time we got posted and you, you're packing up and you're going within a couple of couple of weeks saying goodbye to 
all of your friends. And um, so I've always kind of moved around, um, but it's always been people-based. So yeah, hence why contact centers are, uh, are just perfect. But anyway, I went to uni. Um, <laughs> I I think we were the last of like the hedonistic kind of uh, group of people because we, for two years, my tutor once said to me, do you know, it's really difficult to get kicked out of uni, but you're really close. Because um, for two for the first two years, I, I played football three or four times a week or trained. The rest of the time, we were just drinking, going to gigs, going to clubs, just messing about. It was great. You know, that kind of freedom uh, was probably the worst thing to give me at that time. <laughs> Um, but the last year after that kind of threat, I just knuckled down, um, got my degree, but came out. And like I say, a bit immature, really. I just didn't have a clue what I was going to do. Did not have a clue. Uh, my degree was in politics and international relations. Um, I didn't, I had a chance to go and be a researcher at the Houses of Parliament, but it would be unpaid for six months. And I was living in London, needed to pay rent. So, um, got about 150 job projections and then got a job in a call centre in Wembley. And um, it was just a massive shock. But once the shock subsided after the first couple of days, where honestly it was touch and go, the first lunchtime I nearly just got back on the tube um, because it was no training. Your training was basically how to use your headset and when a name comes up on the, the screen, you've got to start selling, sta- I was selling stationery to them. It's like very David Brent, but yeah. Um, yeah. And I nearly went home, but then I, after a couple of days, I loved it. I just loved the buzz. I loved the people I was working with. Some of them were lunatics um, and stayed in the industry ever since. Been all, all around the world um, working, been lucky enough to work abroad and run contact centers abroad. And then more recently, uh, I worked for BPA Quality, so quality monitoring in um, contact centres. And about, so it's in the third year now, uh, May 2019, I love podcasts. I was um, was single at the time, getting married in August now, but um, single at the time. I didn't want to just work and then go and do football and stuff. I wanted to do something around the industry and being creative. I love podcasts and then just thought, you know what, there isn't a contact centre-based chat type podcast. I think I'll find out how to set one up. And then you must have felt this many times before. When you're when you have to make a decision, there's a part of you you're umming and ahhing, there's a part of you that just goes JFDI, right? Just effing yeah. do it. And I went for it. And it's like I said at the outset, kind of like a late developer. I've always been artistic. I I paint, I write. um, And the podcast has been a perfect avenue for that. And I've learned so many skills from um, doing it. You wouldn't think this now because I've just monologued for a few minutes, but listening is, is, is one of the key ones. But yeah, so I do the podcast. uh, I work at BPA. Um, and that's kind of a very short potted history of where, where I, I'm here now. I've just given you loads of stuff to unpack. So 
I don't know where you're going to start. But I think that the, the first, I, I guess, and um, first and obvious question is, what is it about contact centres? Because every, every, your early part of your journey was all about travelling and moving and, and, and stuff, but then there's been something about it from when you started in contact centres. You've not moved away from contact centres. What is it about contact centres that has, has kept you from being the nomad or whatever the word is, um, from moving around different from a, sectors? Yeah, from an industry sort of career point of view, it's a good question. Um, Thank you. I think any anyone that's been... <laughs> Anyone that's been in operations in a contact centre will not. It's it's just the buzz. It is it, not only are you vibing off. I think contact centres. I used to say, even even as a team leader. So I started on the phones, then team leader, then contact centre manager, and then head of operations, direct, and then director. And at the time, various support functions support uh, I, I reported into me. Um, but every every team, right from that first management role, where you're responsible for fifteen to twenty people, is just like a microcosm of um, society. So I, I challenge anyone. You've got you had graduates, you had people that were part time working parents who'd been with the contact centre years. The first time. I went into this a contact center once as a as a manager. I thought it's always important to go around and get speak to people. Just you know, hello, I'm Martin, and um, I was told about a couple of people who were really important uh, agents because they knew everything. They'd been there years and years. They, they even had children working in other teams in the contact center. And I went up to this lady, Caroline. I said, "Oh, hello. Um, my name's Martin. I'm the new manager." Uh, really, I've heard a lot about you. I'd love to pick your brains. At and she just didn't even make eye contact. She was just really rude. And um, I like a challenge, so I just kept going back. And, and then I said to her one day, I went, Caroline, why have I done something wrong? What is it? Why are you you're being quite off with me? And she said, you won't be here long. She said, you, I, I, she said I'm not being funny, but I'll outlast you. Every manager comes in, you know, she's just that kind of mentality that I've been there, done it. You're just yeah. a, yet another person that I've got to engage with. I just want to come in and do my job. I found that it really made me laugh, which I don't think is what she was um, expecting. We, In the end, we got a good relationship, but it turned out she was right. She's still there. And this was like three work, three different companies ago. Um, and I just love how... You know, put it this way, I, I, I think we get a bad press externally, but the industry, going back, I've been in it now over 20 years, I've never seen, and I'm not saying that it hasn't happened, but sexism, racism, any of that sort of stuff, more of my peers and bosses have been women. It's an industry where there's slightly more women in in the industry than, than men. And we... Our HR teams are fantastic in most contact centres. The, the policies and the training and the information around us being welcoming and equitable to everyone are massive. So, you know, even from um, transgender transitions within your team and supporting people and making other people aware, all of that sort of stuff, that was happening 10, 15 years ago. 
Um, yeah. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't easy sometimes to comprehend, um, but that's what it is. It's just the, the people, you're constantly on the go. You're constantly, if you like problem solving, you're constantly met with challenges. So um, you no two days will ever look the same. It's just a great place to work. And actually, one of the things that I think is people are now starting to realise, in terms of career progression, it can happen quick and you can move a lot into different areas. So if you want to, if you're analytically minded, you could go into quality planning, finance. If you're people minded, you could go into HR training, L&D. You know, if you want to stay in operations and you want to get to senior leadership, it's quick. It can happen quick. You know, yeah. I, I think, um, and it, it's just very progressive mental health awareness or our emotional well-being technology ai if you're interested in technology yeah it development product development you could go into marketing most contact centers and then the teams around them there's a very high percentage of people that started on the phones that saw it as a like me i'll do it until i get in inverted commas a proper job yeah and um you know, a lot of people stay, a lot of people love it. And I think, one, yeah, once you're in it, it's very hard to to get out. You don't want to. Yeah. That, I mean, it. you used the word, the the buzz right at the very start. Um, and then you, you went on to, to I, th- I believe, say what all the thing about all of the buzz is. And there were so many things that you like about contact centres. What do you not like about contact centres? Um, you can't deny that especially as a gut, as a person on the phone, it's tough. I, I, I like to think I'm enthusiastic, optimistic, but you're, you, people come to work and they're dealing with the challenges of life and then you go on and plug in for eight hours doing a repetitive task. Uh, let's be honest, most customers, all of us, we're all customers, don't contact a call centre to have a nice chat or to say, nice things to someone you're doing it because you want something or you need something fixed and people can dehumanize you or be impatient or and that constant day constant calls if you're in a busy contact center um i'm very mindful now in management position leadership positions that you have to do more to help people on the front lines with their mentality their well-being because i used to say it's like a sponge it's like it could be like a dripping tap at the end of your shift um you are worn out emotionally mentally um even if you're um that you know some of the stuff people work on is naturally traumatic let's say especially if you think about the pandemic call centers have filled it done a great job with um either the, the vaccination or testing or 111 or 999 they're, they're, they're call center staff and um, they they're the, the kind of peak of the challenge but even if you're in car insurance or retail it's to, you, there's no break there's no industry like it where you are the moment you plug in and make yourself available that's it you're going to get hammered you're going to get hammered with calls. Um, and each time you expect it to be, hi, how are you? You know, it has a, I think that's why most people 
like me, uh, who've been in the industry, I hate using the phone for speaking. Um, and I think some of that has come from, you know, those early days of being on the phone and just not wanting to talk to anyone anymore at the end of your shift. Yeah. 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 I love that. love that. <laughs> so podcast now, actually. Um, yeah. Where were you when you came up with the name Get Out of Rap? Um, I think I was at ho- I think I was at home. There's a funny story behind this. So I liked the the fact that it's something that's shouted across contact centres. Less so now. Let's say we were all a bit more progressive, but it certainly got shouted at me when I was an agent because rap was the place where you could take a break, an yeah. unofficial break. But the moment you came out of rap, you were talking again. So I thought I like the link of that for the for the podcast, and anyone in our industry would know that phrase. But what was interesting, I did a um, a straw poll of people I worked with or um, friends in the industry, and no, no one liked it. But <laughs> like not one. Oh no, sorry, there was one person who did. She she liked it. Um, but everyone else disliked it. And I think when you know, this is what we were talking about earlier around things you get passionate about, right? I kind of thought, okay, I've taken, I've taken the, like people were saying, isn't it a bit negative? It's a bit niche. All of these things have merit. Um, but I just went, nah, I like it. And just cracked on. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Have you always been so... Um um I, I i'm going to use the word single-minded but i don't mean it like i don't have you always been so decisive single-celled yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you ever been so decisive with your decision making that kind of gone okay i'm going to ask for feedback but irrelevant of that feedback i am still just gonna go and do it yeah i think i like i would like to make informed decisions but ultimately it's like when i'm talking to people that work that work for me or talking to friends or anyone in any, any position where they're umming and ahhing, right? And it may be quite a big decision. They know the answer. You know the answer. It's in your gut. And some of the stuff that's coming out from neuroscience and things like that about that, that our, our gut is our second brain and that there is a science behind gut instinct um, is fascinating. But I, I challenge anyone, if you're having to make a decision you 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 right now you know the answer you're just ruminating and you and you want to try and make you want to try and reduce the risk of the decision by thinking about it and gathering more information but ultimately you know what you're going to do um it's just i think in the past i've kind of tried to gather information quick and then just go yeah fine go yeah um and it's happened a few times and it's it's born like I had the opportunity to go and work in Istanbul um, and it was a massive leap in terms of the seniority I'd be working, the level I'd be working at, the challenge. I was working for a company that didn't take any prisoners, let's say, so had ridiculously high standards and quite high turnover if you didn't meet them, especially the more senior you got. And I'd never done anything like this before. There were people was were going to say there'd be a lot of support, but I would be on my own as a Englishman in a um, contact center in Istanbul. 
we just purchased our company had purchased them and they wanted to send people over to share how we worked with a Turkish organization. Um, what I didn't realize at the time when I got out there, it had, it had been like an aggressive takeover. So the, the, the leadership team there initially, they were, the, I, look, I, I, in the end, I stayed there two and a half years and I, consider myself part Turkish now. I love, I, the, the people, I, the friends I made there, the culture, how, how people work, it's just amazing. When I first went out there though, um, I wasn't exactly welcomed with open arms because I represented something that they didn't want to happen. Yeah. Um, but that kind of decision-making at the time was you just like waves of imposter syndrome going, why have they picked me? What, why are they asking me rather? I, I'm going to fail. I don't think I can do it. It's working with people that I've only ever seen wandering around our contact center who are considered the senior leaders. They're scary. Do I really know what I'm doing? I'd be away from my family and the kid, the kids. Um, but ultimately it was super exciting. Like I said, I traveled, I'd lived in Germany. Uh, I was born in Germany actually, but I'd lived in Germany for five years um i see myself as a kind of citizen of the world i just thought yeah i've got to go i've got to do it i've got to do it even if i fail yeah i've got to do it and um i've it's been it, it for a single project it's probably the thing that's um the, been the most significant in my career in terms of learning about myself learning what i'm good at what i'm not good at and um it's kind of galvanized me kind of propelled me because I was so far outside of my comfort zone I couldn't even see it you know it was every day for a long long time was terrifying um and you're in a different culture not every, you know a lot of people did speak English but I I chose to try and learn Turkish I got good uh, I got okay let's say um albeit at a restaurant once I asked a waiter for a small child <laughs> <laughs> I got my translation I got my inter my yeah translation wrong um but yeah it was I, I learned so much I learned so much at the time a lot of the time yeah like I say it's terrifying terrifying because the challenge of um it put it this way it was like a journey it sounds like a horrible cliche but I suddenly realized later on through that project that I'm okay that I'm good at what I do that I'm okay and that not in an arrogant way but that in a, in a kind of I'd been through the mill I you know some of the challenges that I faced over there um and some of the people that I had to garner relationships with and get on side um and managing upwards was a real struggle at times but um I learned so much. I massively learned so much. Why did you keep going? Why did you keep putting yourself through it? That's a great question. I think a lot of my earlier career was, progression was based out of fear. Um, fear of losing your job, fear of losing money, um, fear of not providing for my children and things. Uh, that sounds horribly negative, but I just think this this experience in Turkey 
because um, subsequently, actually, when I got back, I had two meetings at our head office in London. The first one was to say, other than the US and the UK, which were the most established countries in this, it was a global company, um, in the two and a half years, and I'm not saying I was solely responsible because by no stretch of the imagination was I, but in the two and a bit years that I'd been in Turkey, we'd gone from a brand new geographical location to being the third, the third best um, in the in the company that employed like you know nearly a hundred thousand people across the world in 140 different locations. Turkey, USA, it was USA, UK, Turkey, and it was a great job. In the end, I'd done a part of a team that did a great job. Two weeks later, I was called back to the same head office. I was made redundant. Um, so, but what that what that did, the experience of surviving and then thriving in Istanbul and just loving it, it's an amazing city, amazing people. Um, I'm not just saying that. It's just a, a brilliant, brilliant place. And, and generally people are amazingly accommodating and wonderful. Um, but the going surviving and thriving through that only then to be made redundant um, it, it's just been such like, the, the, there were so many like epiphanies it wasn't just one it was a series of things that made me uh, resilient Ch- ultimately these things change your priorities I think makes you understand what's important and what isn't um, that everything happens in the relationship the relationship between us as humans, and especially your loved ones, your children, um, your friends, your partners, your family, all that kind of stuff. Um, that is more important than anything. And I think, because what the way it worked, I would do four weeks in Istanbul and then two weeks back in the UK. And the company were very good, brought my children, family over, and we had paid for holidays and stuff like that. It was great as well as in a professional sense, learning just skills and resilience and under self-awareness is a superpower. So I learned so much about myself. Um, but it also I became better. Um, well, actually just after that redundancy, I, I then unfortunately went through a divorce. So um, again, that taught me something, but what it taught me was to say yes, to say yes to my, children so if I came home from work and we had a big project we had a great big deal that we wanted to win or we've got one right now for example um at my current work it's really important everyone's really going for it I never get stressed about that stuff anymore and I'm able to stop I will work at different times don't get me wrong but if any of my uh, children or stepchildren now ask for anything that means my time my default answer intrinsically is always yes and I would challenge people when they're like this at home on their phone and their kids go dad and you and you're you you're not even engaged really go huh yeah and they go can we do can we go and kick a ball around and you're thinking oh no I'm loving scrolling through tiktok or or whatever my since since things that are probably you know since since things that were bad they're, they're bad events divorce is not nice um, losing your job is not nice the two being quite close together is not nice but from that 
I would say these are all things that have made my life better in the long run and have given me some key kind of fundamentals that time spent with your loved ones, it, it means more than anything. And interestingly, the other thing is, I cannot remember um, the numbers of our success. So I can't remember how much over target we were in certain things. I can't remember projects that we did. But someone contacted me on LinkedIn um, the other day who I last worked with 15 years ago. And he knew that I liked my coffee so that you could stand the spoon up in it. And that we used to just mess about all the time and that I got a ruler once and changed uh, someone's keyboard. So just swapped two, two letters around and they, they, broke their, they, they failed their password attempts and were speaking to IT. <laughs> what people remember is how you interact with them, how you make them feel. And for me, I think that's so much more important than, oh, do you remember we launched this new product into a new country for the first time? Yeah, but I only remember that because I worked with this guy called Murat and we went to this nightclub once in Istanbul before a big presentation. We were only yeah. going to go for a drink and we were hammered. You know, it was, it, it, <laughs> we were, you remember the human interactions and that's what's important. Relationships are what's important. So chasing things and getting stressed out about things. I still get, I would say I still get, you still want to do well and you still got a good work ethic, but I don't let work bother me. Yeah. So much there in what you've just said. I think, oh, sorry. No, no, no. Don't apologize. I think the, the first thing that pops into my mind is, do you always see the positive in the in the challenge? Or, or is that something that you've learned over time? So when you're talking about these 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 life events and things that have not gone as maybe as, as you'd wanted to and um, your time in Istanbul with uh, overcoming fear and going in and, and, and stuff and then and then the later life events, um, you're seeing these things as as positive outcomes from from a lot of these things. Is that something that you've always done, or is it something that you've learned to do, or is it something that you do do? Do you see? I'll, I'm going to stop there and let you speak. Um, I didn't always do that. Like I say, a lot of the time, especially when I first started to get into management positions, um, I operated out of fear and maybe being a bit too polite. And I accepted things I wouldn't accept now from people. Um, but I think processing things that are happening and determining what your response is initially for me happened through survival. It wasn't like a it wasn't like a plan. It wasn't something I worked on. But then once you get through it, and I started, I've always been a, interested gathering information, reading, trying to get learn more stuff, trying to get better at stuff. Um, but then I started to apply that to your mind and how you deal with things and reading up on mindfulness, practicing it, practicing it in the, in the moment and being able to um, understand the difference between emotions and thoughts and action and just letting stuff percolate a bit rather than just being boof, quick. Not on the football field. I still haven't mastered that yet. <laughs> That's something totally different. Um, but just being a, just being able to think about your response and think about, I think the life experiences. This is why I'm so keen on mentoring as well. I think it's so important. Um, 
these life experiences have taught me that when the when things are going bad, it is just a moment. It's just a moment in your life. You, you're going to get through it. What can you What can you take from it? But it's that that said, it's okay to cry to. Um, let it hit you and be down and that's just part of the that's just part of the process yeah but what you will get through it and you will be better for it and there's so many um as well as football i love mma the the ufc and there's so so many their mentality that some of the fighters have there about that they've learned more and become champions as a result of losses they had in their career then they learn more from the losses than they do from the victories and that they amend in their training and they work harder and they um it's, i just love that you know all the way back to bruce lee who said if you allow other people's words to control to control you and your emotions you know the, the flip side of that is if if people's words can't control you you are you are bulletproof, you know, and that kind of, um, I love that kind of shift of thinking yeah. of going, if some, if you feel like someone's, and I think back to some of the earlier experiences where life was a bit different, certainly in work where people, managers and above could shout at you and they did. And that used to affect me and affect me for days and take me to some dark places. Now I think actually, I would be thinking, this tells me everything about you and not me. If I haven't hit my numbers, it's impossible to hit all your numbers all the time. And that's your reaction. Then I feel sorry. I, I feel sorry for you, but I'm not changing who I am and I'm not going to let it affect who I am and my self-worth. And, you know, that kind of, um, that kind of thinking has only developed through first of all experience, but then under, then understanding it better by reading about it, watching videos on it, practicing it. There's so many different apps. There's so many different techniques. There's so many different, we have access to such great information now more so than ever. It's just a case of trialing it, try different things. You know, I, I did Headspace for ages. I love that, just five, 10 minutes, but I, don't, I haven't used it for a while because I'm reading, doing something else. And I think that's the kind of, um, thing I wish I wish we did more of it because it's the one um, we all go to the we go to the gym or we exercise or we go and see doctors and things like that we we perfect our industry skills but we still don't do enough with our heads yeah we, th- there is enough of it out there now it's far far better and it's great to see that um, so I've got three girls at um, secondary school they start to talk about that sort of stuff in some of their um, lessons. And that's great because we should be empowering the next generation to be better than us. And I think the key to that is in how they think. Yeah. I love, there's so much that we could we could um, dip into and go on all sorts of different tangents. But what I am going to suggest is that that we, we pick a tangent for another conversation, actually. Um, but... I'm going to, and I never asked this question on a podcast because I think it's quite a cliche podcast question, but, but your journey has been quite a, a 
eventful one. And and you you spoke about two times in your life. Um, one time uh, um, in the right early days, um, born in Germany, and and, and uh, like the 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 military lifestyle or the um, or whatever you would call it. And then then you've got the university, which is the um, when you um, you nearly got um, expelled from uni and all of that. <laughs> you were just enjoying yourself. But if Martin Teasdale could give a piece of advice to each one of those two versions of himself, the one from really young um, and then from one from when he's at university, would it be the same advice? What advice would it be? Um, what brings to mind for those two different Martins from this Martin now? That's a really good question. Um, for, the vet, for the younger one, maybe give your parents... <laughs> Less grief. Um, I'm very lucky. I had a very, very happy uh, childhood. I was, let's say, a bit of a clown at school. And my mum used to come back from parents' evening in tears a lot of the time. So perhaps give give my mum a bit of a break would have been some of my advice. But I wouldn't change much. Like I say, it was a very, very happy uh, childhood. I loved moving around. They had the option. My dad wasn't an officer or anything, but um, he's very well respected. Uh, he was always a bit of a hero of mine growing up, um, just because of how well he was respected within his... I used to be on the airbase with him all the time. Um, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with that. Uh, what was I saying? You would give you some advice for yourself, and it was give your parents less grief um, for the... Uh, and then you... Yes. Around. Yeah. Um, but like I say, we... He did get to um, uh, chief technician, so the highest you can be in the sort of ground crew without being an officer. So they did have opportunity. At t- they could have put me and my sister in boarding school, especially when we got posted back to Germany. Um, I know they were thinking about it, but again, they didn't think long, and we went with them. And I was just so thankful for that. We would... Um, get in an old Ford Escort, we had a Ford Escort, and um, drive from Germany to France for the weekend. Yeah. Sounds very sounds very glamorous. It wasn't. We'd sleep in the car or in a um, tent um, in a campsite, but we just got to see Europe yeah. um, at a young age, and it was brilliant. Um, so, yeah, maybe just be a – maybe a, it's difficult, though, isn't it? You're moody teenagers, you know, so how do you, how do you stop that? I don't know. Um to the university version of me, God, you know, I don't really regret anything. It's why I'm here. It's your first question is brilliant. Is kind of like how, why are you in this chair now? I don't. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to change anything because I wouldn't have experienced the things that I've done. Yeah. Um, I had a great time at uni. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Wouldn't wouldn't change. Wouldn't change anything. That we, you know, we we were we were a riotous bunch. Um, <laughs> I, I can't imagine that. <laughs> we had a we had a reunion um, the other day on Zoom, and it was just brilliant. But people were telling stories, and I was going, "Oh, this is brilliant." Who who was it again? And they were like, "It was you." <laughs> and I was like the central character in a couple of these stories that I couldn't even remember. And I don't know whether that's because I've blocked it out of my mind, but 
um yeah we just it, it was just such a good time it's such a good laugh it was great i think actually you've just sparked the uh the thought of the tangent for next time we have a chat is the university years of martin teasdale oh um, my god <laughs> or maybe not or maybe not <laughs> um we'll, we'll we'll see i guess um what are you having for your tea um so i'm getting married at the end of august and as well as doing personal training I'm trying to I'm trying to eat better, um, and that's difficult because I think I've got the um, other than when I left Turkey was brilliant. The food there's amazing. I've got three lovely meals every day, um, but then after Turkey, I had about five years uh, living with, on my own with my uh, youngest daughter, and I was that kind of freedom. I kind of regressed to having the dietary habits of a schoolboy. So um, I think I single-handedly kept Haribo's share price high. <laughs> um, so that's a real challenge for me. I've got a sweet tooth. But tonight I will be having something chicken-based, probably chicken wrap. Because I, if I find something I like, I, it makes Bev laugh because I will just, I can have it. She'd be like, what are you having tonight? I love to cook, by the way. I found out recently um, I love cooking. So I will make really, really good meals for other people. Yeah, I like the challenge. I mean, I've been going to supermarkets, finding stuff. I didn't even know what it was. Like, I've never eaten an aubergine. And I, I ate that the other day because it was part of this meal that I made. Um, <laughs> so I, I love cooking. It's, uh, it's part of the weekend treat for me is going out getting the ingredients trying to follow the recipe and then seeing what people think um but for me if i find something i like whether it's chicken breast or mashed potato yeah i can have that every night all week and be fine with that be happy so you just said you have, you're potentially going to have a chicken wrap and um, and is this because you're staying on brand with get out of wrap and is, it, <laughs> is this what you do I now thought I hadn't, yeah, that's the only music that I listen to is rap. Uh, yeah, I hadn't really thought <laughs> Maybe subliminal, yeah. Um, no, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a good one. <laughs> and final question, Martin. If people want to find out more about you, where would they go, what would they do, what would they see? Um, LinkedIn's probably the best place. Come and, um, come and connect on LinkedIn. And I'm always open to talk, have... Um, I think this pandemic has allowed us to have 50, we're all used to having like a 15 minute chat with people on zoom. Um, there'll soon be a get out of rap web website, but I haven't finished that yet. I would say go, go to LinkedIn. Yeah. Just look for Martin Teasdale and see my, uh, the picture of me from a, a bit of a distance. Cause I look a bit thinner. <laughs> so I, I just want to say Martin, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, this afternoon. It's been amazing to, to hear the journey and, uh, both of both the physical journey that you've been on, um, but also the mental journey that you've been on to to um, to what has led to being categorised as one of the nicest men in the world um, that I've ever met. Um, so so thank you so much for that. One thing that also is really really come across strong is the importance of people in your life and then the importance of people in 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 your approach and, and what you do. And I would love the opportunity to chat with you again about what is it about people and, and stuff like that, that that I think that a lot of people can learn from because when you spoke about the buzz of contact centers and, and things 
it was all it was all people apart from the words apart from AI and all of that stuff. It was all about the um, the, the diversity of the people, the um, and and how forward thinking they are, and, and and all different things within that. So I would love to uh, explore people with you. Yeah, I'd love uh, to, uh, mate. Perfect, perfect. But Martin Teasdale, thank you so much for this opportunity to chat and get to know you a little bit better. And I look forward to chatting to you again. Lee, you're a legend, and you're you are a lovely guy as well. I'm, you've been very helpful to me on lots of other projects, and um, you're humble and you're a great guy. So thanks very much. Oh, let's have a virtual hug as I, as, as I hit <laughs> stop record. <laughs> Cheers, Martin. Speak to you soon. Cheers. Thanks. See ya. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the Business Problem Solver, or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.